Welcome back to an episode of Coffee and Christ. I don't know, 33. Really? I think so. <clears throat> episode number 33. Welcome back. Buckle up Let's for... Roll, roll with it. Buckle up for a, an interesting ride. The next 45 minutes of your life. 45 minutes? As you get to listen to the musical stylings of mine and Jackson's new acapella band. Dylan's uh, going to bring the table. That was me that was playing little, the table. That was a little sample. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So, what a rush! <laughs> you couldn't see me, but I was like sweating. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're we're not really gonna form a band. I was just kidding. We talked cool. about it today, though. But how cool? What would we call it? Musical, the musical stylings of DJ. Burp, 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 burp. That was pretty good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we've been listening to Pitch Perfect songs today. Yeah. And acapella music. So it's been in it's it's been in the air. Like so, it's the mood that's been set for today. Pentatonics listens to this podcast, which I'm sure they do all the time. Um, we're gonna need some tickets to your concert. You know they're coming to Nashville. No way. When Sunday. No way. You're kidding. How much are tickets? Are they sold out? Not not expensive. No way. Um, you can get tickets for what we got for Lizzo, like uh, a. Maybe 110. Are they? Maybe a little less. Are they at Bridgestone? I didn't figure no that out until way. literally like a few months ago. Sunday night. Sunday night, the 11th. No. I'm going to look up some tickets after this. I'll show you on Vivid Seats. I, I want to go. I'll show you on Vivid Seats. If we got tickets, would you go Sunday night to see Pentatonics? Yeah. It's Pentatonics. We. Need to have a conversation later. I'm just, I'm breathing hard. <laughs> I'm like, starstruck. I'm, I love them. I do too. They'll play their Christmas music. Oh, they'll it's play their, their. It's their. It's their Christmas special. No. There's no other music being sang. No. It's only their Christmas. No way. Wow. All right. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> I've always when I've so for my 16th birthday. I received this is this shows my age. Now I sound like an old man, but I got a Pentatonic CD. Shows like their age. first CD that came out. Right. I was 16 years old. That was six years ago, almost seven. Yeah. But I got it for for my birthday, and I sat in a garage door opener. I got a garage door opener for my birthday too because I wanted one to get you know in the house. And so, because like we always go in the, through, the, through the garage, yeah. so we don't use the front door at my parents' house very yeah. often. So I got a garage door opener for my birthday and a pentatonic CD, and obviously my truck, and you know. So, but I sat in the truck in my boxers and t-shirt <laughs> on the morning of my birthday and listened to the entire CD in my new truck, just just vibing. And that's something I'll never forget <laughs> ever because it had some of their Christmas songs on it. <laughs> Because my birthday two days up to Christmas, my birthday runs into Christmas. It drives me crazy, but that's just a big deal because I think it just takes me back. Yeah. So, wow, Pentatonix is coming to Nashville. Break my table with me. <laughs> oh wow. Anyway, sorry about that. <laughs> you odd to hear that, but big Pentatonix boy right here. Anyway, how's your week been? <laughs> Let's get this going. Uh, it's been good. I mean, it's been a good week. There's nothing, nothing to complain about. That's for yeah. sure. Anything interesting? No, nope. nothing interesting. At I all. mean, I got out this morning early with you, and we. <laughs> that's not interesting. Well, we went to 
to Knox Vegas. We did do that. To get a unit, but how about it? We didn't really do anything else. No. Um, I mean, that's about it. What about you? Um, well, look at this yarn over with. I, um, let's see. Over the weekend, I, what did I do? I went on a bachelor party trip to Nashville. That's right. To Top Golf, and then a rolled ice cream place. And I got this. I love rolled ice cream. I got this, um, at the rolled ice cream place. It was random because we were leaving Top Golf, and we were just gonna like come back to Cookville. And Jose like put his arm on Connor. And he said, "We're gonna treat you to some rolled ice cream." <laughs> and Connor was like, "Okay." Well, then we got in the car. And I was like, "Do you like rolled ice cream like a lot?" He's like, "Never had it." No, I don't. I don't know. Really he liked. It. I got. Like the cinnamon toast crunch. Yeah. I got like a cinnamon kind with cinnamon toast crunch in it. And like some kind of cream on it. Oh my word. How good is that? Oh my word. How good is that? It was good. It Don't was you good. get... I think you get that at the Crepe and Cream place. You can get it at Crepe and Cream. That's yeah. what I thought. The first time I had it was in Denver. It's so good. Facts. And you know, honestly, I, I have hypothesized in my head that it's healthier for you. Because in reality, there's not as much ice cream as you would normally eat in a, in like one setting. You're literally scraping the bottom of it and it's rolling it up. Like it's not that much ice cream. Do you agree with me or you disagree with me? Ice cream in general is not healthy. For well, me. I know, but like it's different if Any I amount. know to get like two scoops at like a regular at, at there's like five lazy rolls. cow. I know, but I'm just saying you're scraping the bottom to make these rolls. And so I was watching them make it. I love to watch them make it. Mm-hmm. Like. I literally yeah. had Jose move because I'm like, I want to see. I said, like, are you going to watch them make it? And he was like, no. I said, then Trey Toots me. I want to watch. Then move. And so I was watching. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, you know, that's got to be healthier for you. <laughs> Regular, like, a scoop of ice cream. <laughs> no. You don't think so? Stop doing that. No. You don't think so? <laughs> it, it, uh, maybe... But it's not going to matter that much because ice cream is terrible for you in general. Well, I understand that, but I just think it's better than going and getting a couple scoops. Okay, well. You just get some rolls. Just go get some rolls of ice cream, everyone. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I don't know. I'm probably, I'm wrong. I I get it. But I'm just saying, (laughs) in my mind, it was better for you. So anyway, but then we got some rolled ice cream and then, um, I mean, nothing crazy's happened. Put the Christmas lights on the house. You did. You helped me do that. Why not? I did it Thursday. That's right. <sighs> so yeah, I mean that's and that's just crazy that maybe I'm gonna go to Pentatonix this weekend. Maybe <laughs> I have to go. I have to. They're this close. I have to go. And I think I'm in Georgia too. I didn't really look, but I saw. I just went and looked and saw that they were in Bridgestone. I was like, really? We have to go. Would you go with if we, if we got tickets? Hmm. We'll, we'll ponder that. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's about it. Just bachelor parties, rolled ice cream, and then uh, it's just been kind of business. This news as normal. Business is normal the last few days. Work's been busy, so that's good. Always makes me happy. See the money roll in. Yeah, my tears crying out and the money coming in because I cry a lot <laughs> at work. <laughs> Not really. I just get fed up. <laughs> yeah, one thing after another. But anyway, yeah, it's been good. Great week. Fantastic week, if you ask me. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew, Matthew 20, we did verses 1 through 19. Going to finish up now. Um, so, we're going to hit up verses 20 through... 
34. I'll read. <laughs> I was yawning. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling uh, before him, she asked him for something and he said to her, what do you want? What? Excuse me. What do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit on, uh, sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus, Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am drinking, that I'm going to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant. Indignant. That's just hard. Okay. Uh, at the two brothers, but Jesus called them, uh, called them to him, and said, "You know the rulers of the Gentiles, Lord, uh, Gentiles lord it over their what? <laughs> I'm sorry. That was. <laughs> you mean to pick it up? Yeah, go. <laughs> you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them." And their great ones should, or great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sorry, that was it. all right. <laughs> I, I struggled there. I all, I understand. I struggled there, but so just dropping back to the very beginning, the son, the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The sons of Zebedee are obviously James and John. Not this is not to be confused with the half brother Jesus James who wrote the New Testament book James, but in actually this James that we're talking about right here is known as James the Lesser. What a terrible terrible title that is. <laughs> James the, what a, you're the least. Yeah, Dylan Dylan the Lesser, but Dylan the Greater like that. That would that's How a would terrible. How would you feel if you were the Lesser? Exactly. That's what like well, that's you, that's what he's known as. Are you doing the Great? No, I'm doing the Lesser. I am the Lesser. Sorry yeah, about that. My mistake. But and then John is obviously the same John who uh, is the apostle and he wrote the three epistles and the Book of Revelations. And their mother here is Salome. It's S L S A L O M E. That's kind of like Salmon, but Salome. And she was related to Mary, which means Jesus and James and John are, in worldly terms, cousins. Uh, but Salome, in fact, is actually was a part of the three with Mary Magdalene and Mary of Jesus, who are sent to get spices for the embalming process for Jesus later on and find out that he's risen from the dead. So he, she's one of the, the three like original ones who found out that Jesus has been risen from the dead. Uh, but it's funny that in all these gospels, uh, they all have like different information that kind of like key in every now and then. And then in Mark's gospel specifically, this situation is not Salome's doing, but the sons of, uh, but her sons, like themselves were initiating this request to have this royal authority sitting on the right and left hand of Jesus. And they kind of sent their mom to hide their arrogance, I guess. So I guess that's just kind of crude <laughs> or yeah you yeah. could say that but you know why but why are they asking this if you remember back in chapter 19 verse 28 jesus has told them that they're going to receive these important positions in heaven and apparently when they are hearing about this reward james and john thought they could climb the spiritual ladder quicker if they just go ahead and get out of the way and ask um and then at the end of verse 24 it uses the word that i struggled with indignant mm-hmm 
which there you go there you go thank you uh which is anger at what is perceived to be an unfair treatment so this is what the other 10 were just feeling is you know put in their terms thrown under the chariot and then i love how the way jesus then responds kind of in two ways he says uh, first these men did not really understand the criteria i guess that will be assigned to these positions and then second if they understood the criteria they would not have wanted it so if you go back to verse 22 where it says, Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? So in all of Bible terms, I guess, when it comes to that, God's wrath is always referred to as being stored up in these pots and bowls and cups that are just at an appointed time are going to be poured out. Like he's referring to the the persecution he's about to receive uh, the, the the death, the mocking, the humili- humiliation, and then, like I said, the worst part, just the full wrath of God. And so him saying that drinking his cup, you're just going to accept all these sins, and here soon we're going to see Jesus in the garden even asking to let this cup pass from him. He, he doesn't even want it. But yet James and John have no idea what's about to come, so they— you know, ignorantly say, well, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can drink of this cup. And then Jesus just finishes a few verses earlier telling them that, uh, telling what was in his cup. If you could go back to the third time that Jesus foretells his death, he's, he says he's going to get flogged, he's going to get mocked, and then, and then he's going to get crucified. I mean, he just finished telling them what's going to happen to him. And then James and John are like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can handle that for sure. We can share in his cup. And then, in fact, they do share in his cup. In different ways, James was the first apostle to die for his faith, and John was the longest living apostle, which meant he probably suffered in different, in many different ways by enduring the persecution the longest. But so the criteria for assigning authority in heaven is determined if we have a heart like Jesus. If you boil it all down to it, we're gonna get this, you know, reward based on what you do versus what you say you're going to do or what no no, excuse me what you do versus what you are you can say you're a christian all day you can you know go to church act like it but as soon as you leave there if you're not acting like a christian outside of it then you i mean you're you're not gonna i wouldn't say receive heaven i'm not i'm not the judge of that Mm -hmm. but it would be increase your chances i guess you would say if you are a Christian, actually, if you are doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, you know, you're spreading his word, you're showing his love, and then just, you know, a lot of things get very busy in church, but you can you can do things with the wrong heart many of times in front of people, or you can study and learn and change your life and have all this knowledge about Jesus and about him, and you can never put it into practice. You can just leave it, you know, balled up inside. So you have to find a balance there. And then the best example of that. Jesus shows in the last verses that well shows here soon that it's him. He came as a servant to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Well, you know, and you hit the nail on the head a second ago when you said that they wanted to advance, you know, how did you say that? They wanted to advance their spiritual ladder. Yeah, or exactly. climb the spiritual ladder. And and so they went it like I said and they Put their arrogance up and said, "Well, Kim, you know, what if what if we were to set up there with you on your left hand and on your on your right hand? Like what? And basically, what happens is, and then this is this is what I take from this, 
you know, and, I, and I'm big on application and I'm big on, well, why am I reading this? You know, what, why, what's the point? And so you're, you're, you're listening to the, the arrogance, the, the um, ability for them to just not want to do the work, but still advance this quote unquote spiritual ladder. You know, and that's that's the thing that we I want to focus on is this word advance. If you don't own your faith, you will not advance. Mm-hmm. If you don't own what you do, how you act, all these you can't you can't buy your way, you can't sweet talk your way into the presence of Jesus. You know, just like what you said, you guys, we can we can put on the best show, we can talk the talk, we can we can do, but if we're not walking in the light, if we're not walking with Christ, then we're not going to advance, I guess you could say. And so, and again, Jesus is, and we focused on this, he said it two or three times in the last few chapters, but he's telling them basically what Jackson was saying. You know, if you want to, I don't even like using the phrase advanced spiritual ladder, but, you know, if you want to spend eternity with me, here's how you're going to do it. I want you to think like me. I want you to have a heart like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to walk like me. I want you to act like me. I want you to be like me. And it's so funny because he's saying, um, let's see, I'll start in 25, but Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. In 26, it shall not be so among you. You're not going to act like that. Mm -hmm. That's not how you're going to roll is what he's saying. So it shall not be like that among you, but whoever would be great... Among you must be your servant. That's what he's boiling it down. You can boil Jesus' life down to servantship. Right. What can I do for you? What can I do to help you? What can I do to teach you? That, that's what Jesus was about. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, we're not going to act like the Gentiles here. I'm going to show you how to do it. And whoever is great among you will serve you. Mm-hmm. That's who the great people are. You want to be a good person? You want to you spend eternity with me? Be a servant. That's what you, and he says, whoever in 27, whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Um, yeah, whoever will be first among you must become your slave, must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he's saying, even the Son of God, he didn't come here to be served, he came here to serve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think about the Greek word, um, and I can't, it's like, okay, I'm trying to make sure I say it right. Alessia. I don't know if that's right. Sounds but good the to me. Greek <laughs> word, and I, I guess that may be way off. The Greek word Alessia means to be called out. That means you're, you're, you're called to be different. You know, if I call you, okay, I shouldn't keep saying it. Alessia, that means you're different basically in our terms. And Jesus is saying, be different. You know, you're not here to be served. You're here to serve other people. You know, you're not here to be first. You're here to be somebody's slave. You're here to work. And that's what so many of us get caught up in is we think if we say we're good people, if we say we study the Bible, if we go to church, guys, I, you can go to church all day long. But if we're not different, and I'm not talking about on the outside, I'm talking about your heart. Mm-hmm. Your heart has to be different. Then you can... You can be spend eternity with Jesus, mm-hmm. because if your heart is different, that means everything about you is going to be different. You're going to think differently. You're going to act differently, and we do that because we want to act like Jesus. Jesus came to this to the world whenever he came to start his ministry, and he was instantly different. 
And, and this is what I think is so cool about this word. And again, it means to be called out. But if I'm calling somebody out, I'm calling them to be different. Mm-hmm. Everything about Jesus was different from birth, was it not? Mm-hmm. He was given he was given birth, or not given birth, he was birthed in a barn, in a manger. And now we have these wise men traveling to see him. There's the, here's our first instant of him being different. And then after that, when he's, you know, age 9 to 13 to, you know, we don't 100% know. Now he's going off with these teachers and he's wandering off by himself, not to listen, but to teach them. Yeah. And you're like, this kid is a different than any other kid I've ever seen. He's wandering off from his parents. He's going because he's interested in this. And, and now, shoot, he's, he's teaching us. I mean, good grief. And Joseph and Mary were frantic trying to find him. Oh, I'm just over here, Mom. Over here in the synagogue. Yeah, preaching. You know, and then we see him in his life as he kind of goes out on his own. He's different. It's not, you know, I'm here to be like the Gentiles. I, I'm here to be served. I'm here to have authority over you. It was the entire time he was different. And he was like... What can I do to help you? How can I heal you? How can I teach you? How can I come into the temple and be different and teach you something different? His whole life was about being called out. He was a lesea, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what we as Christians have to be. We have to be different. And that's what he's saying here. You can't talk your way into heaven. You can't sweet talk. God, I've gone to church my whole life. You've gone to church, mm-hmm. but you've not been the church. You've not done what you're supposed to do. You've not been different. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. I mean, in this day and age, there's so many things that's just me, 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 and everybody wants me, and everybody, we want to do me, and I want to do what I want to do, and I want to be served, and I want to... No. That's just not... That's not what we're here for. We're here to be different. We're here to serve people. And we're here to be enslaved to Christ. Mm -hmm. We're called out. And so you think about, how can we be different? How how can I achieve this this differentness? How can I become a Christian? And, or not, how can I become and act and and walk and talk like, like Jesus? And the answer to that is, in your everyday life, be different than the world around you. You know, I read this. Well, actually, I thought about this the other day. I heard it. I heard something similar to it. And, you know, we get. What are you doing with my blind? What are you. I'm trying to open up. What do you want to see outside? It's yes. raining. Yeah, I know. That's what I was looking Jackson for. was messing with the blinds and it was like, I was like, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I just wanted to um, but in order for us to achieve this, be different than what's around you. Mm. And, and the biggest thing that throws us off from being different than the people around us, what, what makes us what makes that hard is is we say, well, there's so many bad things going on and and Jesus and God is not removing me from the situation. He's not He's not allowing me to be different. He's not taking these burdens from me. And it makes me think of this thing I saw the other day, and I, I may misquote it, but I think I'm I'm close. But it says God may not or God may remove you from the fiery furnace. He might to pull you out in order for you to have a better life, in order for you to to thrive and, and not go through temptation. He may do that at certain times. But he also might make you fireproof and leave you in the fire. He's not gonna pull you out. And that's what I think is happening, especially now is, is Christians are I mean, God honestly, 
the world's against us. Mm-hmm. And people don't really want to hear what we have to say. But we look to God and say, well, God, how can, how can, we, how can we be different in a world that doesn't want us to be different? And God is saying, I'm not going to take you out of the furnace. But I'm going to make you fireproof. I'm going to leave you in there, make you fireproof, and I'm going to um, I'm going to make everything to where you can withstand it, and you can be different. Yeah. You know, imagine walking into a fiery furnace like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and this fiery furnace literally heats up and disintegrates people. Even the guards that opened the door died because it was so hot. They go in there, nothing happens. They're different. God makes us fireproof so we can continue to be different. Care about people. Show people Christ. That, that's what we have to do. We have to be called out. And that's what the church is about. That's what he's trying to say to them. He's like, it's not how it works. Okay, you can't sweet talk. You can't advance this way. You can't be different. Be enslaved. Okay, and we're not enslaved to a person. You know, I'm not enslaved to you. You're not enslaved to me. You can go anytime you want. <laughs> but we are to be enslaved to Christ. You know, it takes the, the song Pierce My Ear. And not in a, in a forceful, like, we have to do this. But guys, we should want to be enslaved to Christ. You know, in the Old Testament, whenever you had a slave, um, if the landowner or whoever had a slave, you know, they had to work for a certain number of years and then they could, they could leave. They, they earned their freedom. But if you chose to stay because you wanted to be there, then they pierced your ear and you stayed. Because, you know, if I was Jackson's slave, well, hey, I've worked for 10 years. I know I'm free, but, but I like you. Like, I want to stay. I want to stay and work for your family. And that's what we should want. Mm-hmm. We're not forcefully in I have to be a Christian because, well, I have to be. Yeah. No, we should. We owe that to Christ. We, 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 he loves us so much we can't even comprehend this love and we should say, I want to be enslaved to you. Pierce my ear and allow me to stay because I want to work for you. I want to do I want to be different. I want to, I want to be enslaved to you because you gave everything for me. And that should make me want to, to stay and be your disciple. And then, so that's what, long story short, that's what he's saying to him. You got to be different. Yeah. You got to be willing to, to do things that other people aren't going to do. You have to be willing to care about people and... Do it with nothing in return because that's what we do. You know, my dad, of course, we're, we're in the heating and air industry. And there are some jobs that are just, they're terrible. I'm not going to lie. They're not the easy peasy, easy thing to do. But we do them. And my dad's famous phrase is, it's what we do. That's, that's how we pay the bills. It's what we do. Yeah. And that's the attitude that we should have as Christians. You know, it's not always going to be easy. It's not going to be the easiest route, but it's what we do. It's who we are. Yeah. You know, go out of your way to 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 show somebody Christ. Go out of your way to to be nice to people because that's different. Yeah. People don't understand that. You know, so that's what he's trying to teach them here. Is you know, we hear this famous phrase. Basically, if if you're first, you got to put yourself last. You know, don't worry about yourself. And he's saying that's how you advance. Be different. And that's how you're going to get to be in the presence of, of me. And that's true in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 20. And it's even more true now. Mm-hmm. Be different. Be a called out people. Be a city that is up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Because we should be so powerful. Our light should shine so bright that even if somebody tries to put you out, 
there's still light shining through mm-hmm. because that's that's how we should be. That's right. Uh, no, I think I think you hit all the nails. So in verse 29, going to the end of the chapter, um, it says, And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they um, cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on the son of David. And stopping Jesus, hang on, the I? No, that's right. And stopping um, Jesus called to them and said, what do you want? Why am I having trouble, trouble reading? I know, I'm having the same problem. What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Okay, and so this last portion here in chapter 20 kind of bridges over to what's going on in chapter 21. But remember, Jesus isn't had been in Perea on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Well, now he's crossed back over onto the western mm-hmm. side and on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. And now the road from Jordan, from the Jordan Valley runs by the ancient town of Jericho before you reach Jerusalem. And back in the Old Testament, remember you can read in Joshua where him and the Israelites invaded Jericho. And by Jesus' day, Jericho was just in ruins. There's nothing less. But, uh, but King Herod the Great built a summer home, if you would say. Uh, also called it Jericho, about a mile away. And he would go there if when the winters got cold and damp, and he would just enjoy Jericho's warm and dry uh, climate. His palace inglu- included many gardens, a swimming pool, an amphitheater, and even uh, a chariot racing course. And then, and then actually today, funny enough, there's a third Jericho in uh, a modern Arab Jericho, which extends right down to the Jordan River. But now Jesus here is passing through the old Jericho to the new one. Um, and it's funny, again, in some other accounts, they say Jesus is leaving Jericho, and but in Matthew, he's saying he's arriving. So they're kind of distinguishing the two. But these two blind men come to him, and in Mark's account, I think it's better to read this, uh, because in Mark's account, they, they give one of the blind uh, guys a name, uh, Bartimaeus. But we don't know the other guy's name, and they, they cry out, Lord, Son of David. And the last time we heard that was chapter 12, dealing with a mute man in, who was demon-possessed. But that title for the Jewish people was reserved and refers to the Messiah's role to rule over David. So these men were just calling Jesus their king, which it doesn't happen too often. He's now getting a following. But again, to get this whole picture, I'm going to read Mark. Because in Mark chapter 10, it's just three verses. I think it kind of clears it up a little bit more. Starting in chapter 10, verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi excuse me, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your, your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him uh, on his way. So just picking out some very you know, realistic and world details, he casts his cloak aside. And we don't f- fully appreciate that for us today because we have an abundance of clothing. But for Bartimaeus, a blind man, he was the lower class. He didn't have much al- already. And then he just, as soon as Jesus says, come to me, he tosses his cloak aside and runs to Jesus. And cloaks back then were an indispensable part of 
attire. I mean, it shielded you from all the elements. If there was a sandstorm, it acted as like a cocoon. If you got cold, you could barter it for for food or for shelter for a night. And so this was like a cloak was no just no joking matter to to leave out, especially you know with him being blind, doing that action. As soon as he lets go of the cloak, he's not going to find it again. But Bartimaeus, he cast the cloak aside, knowing no idea where that was going because Jesus called him. And he knew with, with that kind of confidence of throwing that cloak aside that Jesus was going to he- heal him. And so Bartimaeus here is a, is a perfect example of how someone who had absolute confidence and faith in, Je- in Jesus' power to, to heal people. And in verse 52, it says, your faith, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And this is another connection throughout the whole latter book, well, latter Jesus' ministry of how faith has a greater outcome, how strong your faith is. Here they use, they use healing because Jesus is right there and can heal you. Now it's the stronger and greater faith we have, the greater chance we have a home in heaven. And so now jumping back to Matthew, the moment on this moment on the road to Jericho kind of foreshadows what's about to happen when he enters Jerusalem, but in a much bigger way, with thousands of people declaring him the son of David, not just two blind men. And for my portion, we'll get to that next week. But You know, I was, as we read this, for, for some reason here in the last, I don't know, two, three weeks, I've been obsessed with, you know, my first question when someone says they're an atheist, my first question is why? Mm-hmm. You know, what what has made you think this way or feel this way or or whatever and so i've been reading a lot um on the internet about people who um people who are atheists and they'll write these these big long articles about how jesus you know is nothing but in the new testament in his ministry he was nothing but a show off and that that he was doing these miracles to show off to people and and all these things And, and that's that's what a lot of atheists are writing is well Jesus didn't do this to better people he did it because he was arrogant and he wanted to show his power over and I I just don't believe in a God that would allow his son to do that and that's why every night I I read about a different atheist and I just just because I want to know why yeah you know how did you come I mean everything you can say something all day long but there's got to be a reason you know what's made you draw that conclusion what's made you harden your heart against something or whatever and so we read this it's funny because in <clears throat> in verse 30 towards the end um, they heard that Jesus was passing by so they cried out to him um, Lord have mercy on us son of David and the crowd rebukes him they're like be quiet yeah are you kidding me right now <laughs> be quiet and telling them to be silent so they're literally just like what Jack they're literally like Shh. Jesus is right there yeah be quiet he doesn't have time for this and then they continue, instead of stopping, they continue and stopping. Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Again, servantship here. So they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. And so think about as Christians, and I'm kind of playing off what we talked about earlier. But, you know, there's a lot of, of people in the world in our lives that they would be in the crowd telling people to be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about as Christians in, in a modern day world of people who are just like, be quiet. We don't want to hear what you have to say about God. We, we don't care. 
And again, different instant here because these people are they're following Jesus, but they're not quite understanding exactly why at this point. But they're following him. Yeah. And but there's people in our lives that, that aren't following Christ that when we try to talk about it, when we try to to do it, they're just like be, shh, be, they rebuke us yeah. and tell us to be silent. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says, um, Jesus says here, you know, kind of brushes off the crowd's feelings and says, you know. What do you want me to do for you? And so obviously Jesus performs this physical miracle, you know, here in our lives. And unfortunately, we talk about the atheists believing that Jesus had arrogance um, in, and again, they don't believe in this, but what they read, Jesus is someone who's arrogant. Jesus is someone who who just wanted it to be showy. And, and we get that, right? Christians today, we get that. Well, Dylan's arrogant, because he thinks he's better than me whenever he's trying to to share the gospel with me. You know, he's being arrogant because he's calling me out on my mistakes or or calling me out when I'm wrong. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, you yawn too. Let's let's call you out like you call me out, yes. bud. Yeah, just put my follies under a microscope. <laughs> but they're they're we get that rap, oh well, well they're just arrogant because they're they're calling me out. And it's not that Jesus is being arrogant here. It's not, but Jesus is simply saying, you know, look what I can do physically for you. You know, he, he is showing a physical side. And there's this famous phrase that you probably all heard that nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is kind of doing this here. This is his gateway. Well, I can heal you. But then I want you to follow me and see what else I can do for you. Yeah. And that that's what we're trying to do. That, that, that should be the goal of Christians. It's not that we're being arrogant. It's not that Jesus is being arrogant here. It's, it's all about, you know, I want to show you what I can do. And Jesus no longer can perform miracles. Okay, he's not on the earth. Miracles, well, he, Jesus can perform miracles. I should, I should rephrase that. Um, but physically, he's not going to come down, show himself... And if Jackson was blind, touch him and heal him. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Jesus' time on earth is done. But that's why Christians are here. We can't perform miracles. Because I don't care what pastor or preacher tells you they can perform miracles. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a minister. I wish I could perform miracles. That would be I, cool. I can't. That would be pretty cool. But Jesus is... Our command is... Hey, let's let's go out and, and show people what Christ can do. And my favorite tool, and this is just my personal thing, how I like to do it. My favorite tool is to use myself to show, hey, look what Jesus can do. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not love Jesus in high school and in middle school. In fact, I don't even want to talk about it, but I was mad the whole time over something that happened in my life. Mad at God. Yeah. Didn't like him. Didn't go to went to church, but only because I was forced. And I tell people now, you know, look what Jesus did with me. Yeah. You know, he took somebody that didn't love him, didn't care about him, could care less about the Bible. And I was a youth minister for three years. I've been a worship minister for a couple of months. You know, I mean, it's just, when I tell people that I'm a minister that back home that don't know me or they haven't seen me since high school, usually they're like. Real? Wow, he's changed. Yeah, he has. <laughs> but I'm not saying all that to be arrogant to you. Yeah. 
I'm saying that because I want to show you, look what Jesus did. Look what happens when you invite Jesus into your life and allow him to change you. You know, the church doesn't like this form or this phrase, inviting Jesus into your heart. I love it. Yeah. People, they don't, I'm not saying invite him in and say this prayer for salvation. But when you become a baptized believer, a New Testament Christian through baptism, invite Jesus into your heart. Let him change you. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you've been a Christian and then stop going to church, God still loves you. Let him change you. And that's what he's physically changing their outward appearance, not to be arrogant, not to say, well, look, I can perform miracles. Can you? No, you cannot because you're not Jesus. That's not what he meant. Yeah. And a lot of people, believe it or not, a lot of people don't believe in it because they're like, well, why would a God allow his son to be that arrogant? Why would God be that arrogant? It's not arrogance, guys. Yeah. It's let me show you. And we, we should want to do that. We, As Christians, we should have this mentality of, I want to show you something that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, when we get gifts or we get something that we like, you know, if I find something, Jackson's my best friend. He's the first one that hears everything. And if something's like going on that's great in my life, I want to be like, dude, look at this. Yeah. Look at what's happening. And it's not because I'm being arrogant to him. It's because I want to sh- invite him in my life and be like, yo, look at this. And you know, whatever. That's what we should be as Christians. Like, yo, look at look at what is going on because of Jesus. Right. Look at look at what's going on in my life because of Christ. You can have this too. I want you to share this with me. I want you to understand what Jesus can do for you. And again, it's not arrogance. And guys, just because I have Jesus in my life doesn't mean I'm perfect. Gosh, I make mistakes every day, multiple times a day. But I have the avenue of forgiveness, and I'm still a faithful Christian to Christ because I can look at him and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I, I really messed up or, or whatever. He gives us the avenues, and we're not perfect. No Christian is perfect. But we should want to show you what Christ can do. Like, look at what's going on. How can you not want to be excited to share something like that? And so that's what, and it's kind of off topic, off topic, off topic a little bit from what Jackson was talking about, but I'm just, that made me think of that when we read that because it was just, just not being arrogant. Yeah. And the crowd is saying, be quiet. Don't be arrogant to us. That's not what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We just want to share it with you. We want you to see this is amazing and we want you to be a part of it. So that's what Jesus is doing when he heals these two people is just, wow, look at what I can do. Imagine what else I can do. Yeah. I'm the son of God. But unfortunately, he's not. He can't do that physically anymore. That's why we're here. It's our job. We can't perform miracles, but gosh, we can. We can show somebody. Look at what Jesus can do. So think about. Are you excited about that? Like, are you are you on fire to the point that you're like, I have to show somebody. Yeah. I want them to know about what's in this book. I can't contain it anymore. I want them to know. And that's that's what it's about. So, hope you have a great rest of your week. That's right. And um, we'll catch you for episode 34. Maybe 34. Maybe 34. Know. Maybe 35. So, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Love you.